Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host on Real Ghost Chatter. If you are enjoying Raven's Cove and would like a signed copy, you can purchase it or any of the other books in the Iconoclast series at www.maryannpoll.com. Here's the next part of Raven's Cove. If you're at home, grab your favorite drink and settle into your favorite listening spot. If you're on the road, please stay safe. In either event, enjoy. Chapter 27, Safety in Numbers. An empty and dark sheriff's office greeted Joe. She ran to Bart's home. No luck there either. She headed back to the office, rounded a corner and bulldozed Caroline, knocking them both to the ground. Oomph, Caroline's library books flew through the air like dancing ballerinas. Oh, Caroline, I am so sorry. Joe kneeled to gather the novels scattered around them. What's the hurry? Have you seen the sheriff? No, maybe he's at home. Joe shook her head while trying to catch her breath. Sit down, you look terrible. Caroline motioned to the bench in front of the shop. Joe plopped down. What's happening? Murder, Joe wheezed while gasping for air. What are you talking about? Ransom Plotnose murdered someone. Oh my gosh. You must be mistaken, Joe. Ransom Plotno is the mousiest woman on earth. She's scared of her own shadow. I never did understand how she caught such a wonderful, handsome man as the Reverend, Carolyn thought. It was Ransom. I saw her big as life. Caroline resisted the urge to cover her ears from Joe's deafening trill. And she was bat crazy. She looked like someone out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, standing in front of the CA church, blood from head to toe. I thought it was a paint at first. Then I saw the butcher knife dangling from her hand. I need to find the sheriff. Well, I still can't believe it was Ransom, Joe. She's way too mild. Caroline unlocked the door to her salon, Joe trailing behind. Caroline retrieved her cell phone and punched in a number. Who are you calling? Kat Tozolowski. If anyone knows where Bart is, she will. The phone rang and rang. Caroline hung up and thought. She punched in another number. Grandma Bricken willed herself to ignore the phone. The events of the last few days created a need to stay focused on the small group conversation. The phone continued ringing. Oh, for heaven's sake. She pushed herself back from the table and walked from the room. Bart watched her leave, then said, We have no clue who this fifth victim is to be, and I don't want another death on my hands. I've seen enough death to last me a lifetime. Starting a lumberyard is sounding better all the time. Bart? Bart! What? Bart yelled. Caroline's on the phone. Sounds urgent. Unless there's another murder, or another fire for that matter, tell her I'll call her back. This town. Jaywalking is urgent, Bart said to the group. He'll call you back. Grandma, get Bart on the phone. 
Joe is with me, says there's been another murder, this time at the Congregational Alliance. Bart watched the doorway, waiting for his great aunt to return. Grandma Bricken held the phone for the sheriff. Another killing. Bart jumped up and grabbed the receiver. Grandma's face was ash gray. She walked back to the table and fell into her chair. There's been another murder. Kat and Ken simultaneously exclaimed, what? Bart poked his head in the door to the kitchen. Iconoclast seems to have claimed his last victim. I need to get to the Congregational Alliance. He grabbed his hat from the peg at Grandma's door. Not the one, Sheriff. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting at this table right now. We'd be fighting for our lives, Josiah answered him. No matter if it is the fifth or not, there's another body and I gotta go. Grandma rose and headed to the hallway. So did the rest of the group. We're all coming with you, Kat said. No, you're not. Listen, cousin. You ended up in a puddle on the floor tonight and almost blew your brains out. Mom always said, safety in numbers, we're going with you. Suit yourself, Bart hurried out the door. The sheriff and his impromptu deputies walked to the Congregational Alliance. It loomed above Main Street, tomb silent. At the foot of the steps, Bart motioned for all to stop. Stay, except you, Melbourne. Bart and Ken walked to the top of the stairs. Ken drew his gun. Ready? Yep. They moved quickly into the building. Bart pointed to Ken to take the right. Bart took the left. Clear on this side. Gun held chest level. Ken crept up the right side of the sanctuary. He lowered the gun. Clear. They met at the altar. The scantily dressed bodies of Martin Plotno and Anita Connor lay exposed for all to see. Ken let out a low whistle. The saints preserve us. Bart checked for a pulse on both and shook his head at Ken. He released his phone from its case and called Doc Billings. On my way. Whoever is responsible for this massacre sure hated the reverend, not to mention the librarian. Oh yeah, Ken agreed. The carnage is overkill. Look at the way Anita's eyes have been gouged out, and the late reverend's back and neck look like hamburger. If Ransom did find out about this affair, it's conceivable she snapped, Bart answered. Yep. We best find her, and fast. We go together. I don't want either of us looking for a crazed killer without backup. Agreed. Bart jogged across the street to Cat, Grandma Bricken, Pastor Lucas, and Josiah. He looked around. Where's Wendy? I thought she'd have caught wind of this by now. You know Wendy. The only thing to trump her love for good drama is her loyalty to her sister. Seems Mandy is missing again. She left her anchorage and told me to call her with any updates. Well, it's best. One less person to fear for. Cat nodded. Understand. Three things. First, it's a horrible scene. Anita Connor and Reverend Plotno are dead. Both of them, Paul asked. Bart held up a hand. Yes, no time for questions. Second, Cat, wait for Doc Billings to come and take care of the bodies. Then, find Joe and Caroline. Tell them to go to Caroline's. We'll be there as soon as we can. Sure thing. Cat watched Bart run back to the church. Doc Billings' unmistakable Audi slid up to the curb. Evening, he said. Cat pointed in the church, Doc. Billings grabbed his bag from the passenger seat, jogged up the steps and into the church. Lord, show us what to do, Paul began. You, O oh God, are sovereign. Even when the world or the situation shouts to us that you are not, please help us to know what to do, O oh God. We cannot stop or defeat what is happening in our beloved town, but you, God, can. Please grant us strength. When Grandma and Josiah bowed their heads in agreement, Cat followed suit. In Jesus' name, amen. The funeral home's black hearse pulled up 15 minutes later. This is going to be a long night, Cat said. How could this happen, Grandma asked. Josiah answered, lust and jealousy are involved. He turned and looked down the street toward the small church standing no longer. He longed to go there. 
to get away from the horror he felt building, a tangible evil working up for her to kill, so close he could almost touch it. Chapter 28, Joe's Strange Story. I can't believe a person covered in blood can just disappear, Bart said. We've looked at her house and her friends' homes. She's nowhere to be found, Ken answered. Let's get to Caroline and Cassie's house and then go back out again. Ken nodded. Caroline opened the door. Cassie is sleeping, so please be as quiet as you can. Of course, Bart answered. Bart and Ken listened, working to believe Joe's strange story. That's some story, Joe, Bart said. You know I'm down to earth, Bart. I don't believe in this supernatural mumbo jumbo. But the way Ransom looked, she was a whole different person, a really creepy person. A knock interrupted the questioning. Caroline ushered Kat, Grandma Bricken, Paul, and Josiah into the room. Bart continued, you sure it was Ransom? Sure as I'm looking at you, Bart. Her hair color alone gave her away. You know, the cherry Kool-Aid color? Yeah, it's definitely unique. And she carried on an intense conversation with no one, at least no one I could see. Hmm. Bart knew Joe poo-pooed anything which could not be seen, felt, touched, smelled, or tasted. The supernatural nonsense being just that, nonsense. He sighed. Tonight her concrete world shattered. Caroline stood statue still, nodding her head up and down like a bobblehead. I've never seen Joe this upset since, Grandma said. Since when, Josiah asked. Since her husband left. Grandma shook her head. Not relevant now. What should we do, Pastor Lucas asked Grandma. Right now, we wait. One more thing, Sheriff. I think I know where Mrs. Plotno went, Joe said. Where? She headed up Maine and into the dark, in a hurry, like on a mission. If I were a swearing woman, I'd swear she headed to Raven's Ravine. The only place not checked, Bart murmured to Ken. With all that's happened, I didn't think she'd be crazy enough to go up there. Joe, stay here with Caroline, at least until it gets light. Both of you try to get some rest. Ken and Bart started up Maine, the group falling in a few steps behind him. Bart turned. Not you. This is way too dangerous. This is too dangerous for us not to join you, Josiah answered. The group turned eyes on Bart and Ken. Legend or not, in good conscience, I cannot let you come. How am I going to know I'm doing my job when the two most important women in my life, Bart looked from Cat to Grandma Bricken, would be heading right into the path of possible life-threatening danger? And how, Bartholomew, could I live with myself if I allowed my most beloved great-nephew to walk into definite spiritual death? A death scream ruptured the night's silence. It came from the direction of the ravine. That was no animal, Cat said. Grandma's head shot up to Bart. She stared into his eyes. We will be accompanying you tonight, Bartholomew Anderson. She clutched her cane and started for the ravine. Chapter 29, Guarding the Ravine. Ransom Plotno sat cross-legged, facing town, back to the ravine path, just as instructed. Wait here, Atromatus told her. My commander will meet you in due time. First, though, you are to guard the path for me and Miggy. Okay. Our enemies are coming, and they mean you harm. Prepare to fight. It is the only way you will survive. Ransom held the knife, pointed skyward, both hands clutching the handle. Miggy and Atromatos left to consult with Iconoclast. This is our chance, Martin said to Anita. Are you crazy? We will be tortured. The demons lied to us. They promised we'd take part in their banquet of destruction, and instead they destroyed us. They allowed this horrible woman, he pointed at his former wife with the stub of the finger he'd lost in the vain attempt to defend himself, to destroy us. It's our turn. As in life, Anita agreed. They materialized. Ransom, a macabre duet, commanded her to look up. Ransom's eyes widened. 
her recently deceased husband and his latest tryst stood before her. The latter, covered with blood, focused on her through empty eye sockets. Ransom's body quaked, forcing her to drop the knife. I am here to take you to hell where you belong, Plotno said. He lunged forward. Oh, you will taste good. Anita giggled and grabbed Ransom's wrists, holding her in a vice grip. Ransom yowled in agony when Plotno and Anita latched onto her face and sucked. Skin unwrapped from her skull in lines like they were peeling an apple. Iconoclast's head snapped back from the celebratory huddle with his minions. Go, he commanded Atromatus and Miggy. They darted up the ravine. Ransom Plotno lay in a heap. Her skinless face, deep maroon fluid seeping from the bare muscle and bone, greeted them. You fools, Atromatus shouted. You should have left well enough alone. Iconoclast will see you now. Miggy grabbed Anita and Traumatos looped around Plotno. Together they dragged the pair into the pit. Iconoclast dined on their souls, jagged, sharp teeth cutting their spirits apart piece by piece. Iconoclast's minions shook. The endless screams reminded them of their own fate of endless torture in the abyss if they disobeyed the commander. Chapter 30, Another Lost Soul. Ken jogged past Bart and arrived at the ravine first. He surveyed the scene. There lay a battered corpse, eyes wide and blank, face frozen in a scream. Steam rose from the skinless red mass which served as muscle and tendon and human being just moments before. Bart joined Ken. I believe we are looking at Ransom Plotno, the good reverend's wife. Ken gave him a questioning look. Hair color. The cherry Kool-Aid tint is unmistakable. Ken nodded. Right. Joe mentioned it. Definitely not a color one sees every day. She's not in the same position as the others, Bart noted. Ransom lay several feet from the ravine pathway, sprawled on her back, dead eyes looking into the starless night sky. She doesn't smell like the others either. Ken stooped down, looking at, but not touching, the large blade at the corpse's side. Mrs. Plotno left-handed, Ken asked. Not sure. There's a mean-looking butcher knife coated in dried blood beside her left hand. Bart walked Ken and shone the flashlight on the corpse. A lot of good it did her. Why the hell didn't she use it to protect herself? Bartholomew, Anderson, watch your language. Bart pulled himself to his full height, blocking Grandma Brickens' view. You need to go home now. This is no place for you. Really? And at home is the place to be? Waiting to be the next victim of this evil? She pushed firmly on Bart's chest until he acquiesced and let her by. Grandma's hand flew to her mouth to stifle an involuntary scream. Tears filled her eyes. How horrible. I told you to leave. Grandma Bricken turned wet, piercing green eyes to Bart. I'm not scared of seeing the dead Bartholomew. I've seen much in my time. But I cry for the souls lost to God. Those losses are the true horror. Bart shook his head. Okay, Grim. Josiah walked up to the corpse. This is not the work of iconoclast, he said. It is the work of evil, but not of iconoclast. How do you know, Mr. Williams? Paul asked. I don't know it. I am surmising it. There is no smell. There is no purple and black liquid oozing from her eyes. Furthermore, this woman just murdered her husband and his lover. Why would she come up here instead of running for the hills unless called here to be a part of Iconoclast's plan? If Iconoclast didn't take her, then she did not fulfill her part yet. Now what? We wait and we pray. The fifth victim will come and we must stop him or her from going into the ravine. The group bent their heads. Father in heaven, Paul said, we are almost in the lion's den. We are afraid and we are confused. Please send your holy angels to fight with us. Please guide us. Please help us and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. Iconoclast's razor-toothed mouth widened into a horrible grin. The fifth one is here. 
Where? Gambojin asked. At the top of the ravine, you fool. How do we get this one here? We set a trap. Iconoclast looked at the ink-black arrowhead in his clawed hand. Pet, lure the one into my lair, but do not cut the body, do not touch the heart. If you do, I will destroy you. Do you understand? Yes, Pet answered. This one is the key to opening the abyss and releasing more of Lucifer's angels. Earth's destruction will begin here in this insignificant town and grow. Now go, Iconoclast through Pet to the top of the ravine. Pet, do this. Pet, do that. And just how am I supposed to entrap without possessing her? Pet seethed, hatred coursing through his arrowhead shape, sending black tendrils out along the trail. How I long to come to my full height and be no one's servant. Iconoclast's captains have snickered at me for centuries, not for much longer. I'll show them. I may be small, but I'm as mean as any of them. I'll get this chosen one, and Lucifer will reward me with my own army. Then I'll exact my revenge on all of them, Iconoclast first. Pet searched the night for his prey. There you are. Come to me now. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-P-O-L-L.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash M-A-R-Y dash A-N-N dash P-O-L-L. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.